0: So anyway, welcome to week six and our final uh, week of this series, Cause and Effect. If you've not been here for it, here's what we've been talking about. The cause and effect of Christ, the cross, the resurrection. Because if we truly believe that Jesus died, rose again, it should affect, as a follower of Jesus, it should affect our lives. Amen? Amen. Every aspect of our lives should be affected. How we talk to people, how we treat people, our business dealings, our social interaction, every part of our lives should be affected. And that is the effect of the cross and resurrection. Today, we're going to talk about digging. I started to say, turn to your neighbor and say, can you dig it? But I thought, no, that's corny. Let's move on. Uh, But have you ever had something happen to you though, or or maybe you've done something really stupid, and then the outcomes comes out and you're like, people like, what did you expect? Like, what did you think was going? Come on, am I don't? I know this congregation. Every one of you has done some stupid stuff that you thought. Well, what did you expect? Thank you, Diana. What you did. Uh, See, long before Denise and I were senior pastors here, we were worshiping youth pastors years, years ago. And uh, we came here from a church in Cleveland uh, to be worship pastors. The same day, our very first Sunday here as worship pastors, the youth pastor resigned, and the rest is history. We stepped in as youth pastors and worship pastors, and we tried our best not to destroy as many young people as we could uh, their faith. So, uh, and Bob was actually one of our youth, so I think we did a decent job of that. But one of the things that Denise and I noticed right off the bat with the young people, and that are part of this community, and even now as pastors, we've noticed it a lot, is this poverty mindset that hangs over this community and the surrounding communities. And when I say poverty mindset, I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking people of, well, this is all there is. Never, I'll never forget, we got to last Sunday after Fay Day, we got to go down and eat with some of the family, and one of the young people that's part of that group was there, and he said, hey, do you remember us going to the ocean? He had never, never been out of, out of Meigs County. And his first time, we had two kids, had never saw the ocean. They laid in the sand and just rolled in the water and back, rolled in the water and back. And we found, man, people don't think this is all there is. Why would I expect anything else? Are you hearing me? I watch my parents, I watch relatives live this way. Why would I expect things to be different for me? I would expect things to be different. And and we we get this kind of attitude of don't expect a lot and I won't be disappointed. Are you you hearing me? Let's lower my expectations. In fact, there was, I don't know, I've started to play a clip of this. Mad TV. Anybody remember Mad TV? They would do this thing called Lowered Expectations, it was a dating app. And they'd go, Lowered Expectations. And you would see the worst of the worst people that you got to pick from. And it's basically, well, I've, got my, I've lowered my expectations so low, this looks good to me. But we've lowered, we've got, let's just lower them because if we expect a lot, there's more of a chance of me being disappointed if I raise my expectations. Let me ask you, how did we get there? How do we get that kind of mindset even in our marriages? We just lower expectations. In our friendships or relationships or our finances, our future, our purposes with people. How do we get to where we lower the expectations about them changing, about their sobriety? Because I hear more, I'm telling you, well, well, good for them. We'll see how they look next week. Come on. As Christians, how did we get there in our walk with Christ? Where we just started living with these lowered expectations. I mean, how, how do we how do we get there as in our walk with Christ where we start, we don't expect much? Because and can I be honest? It's easier to live with lowered expectations. Even as a pastor. Can, can I be real with you? It's easier for me to quit expecting people to listen to anything I say. No, that was quiet. It's easier for me during a counseling session to say, you know what, it really doesn't matter what I say here. You're going to listen to me. You're going to hear me, but then you're not going to listen. You're going to go out and do whatever you want to anyway. Did I just say that out loud? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's easier to quit expecting people to grow up and mature because if you don't expect them to you won't be disappointed. It's easier to stop expecting people to give or serve in the church. It's just easier to lower expectations. Can I be honest some of us have lowered expectations on about Sundays here and some Wednesdays. Here's what I mean. You show up on Sundays, but you're not really expecting God to show up and do something amazing. You've lowered your expectations about your life. You're not expecting God to do anything great in your life or impactful in or with your life. You're just hoping to survive another week. You're not expecting God to heal the marriage, but you don't believe in divorce so, you're just hoping to wait them out. Maybe they'll die. <laughs> Come on. I believe I hit a little nerve there. It's like, well, they're kind of looking a little sickly there. Some of you stopped expecting to do, forgot to do something in your kid's life. You're just hoping not to lose your mind. And you just quit expecting those things. I believe as followers of Jesus, as Christians, that because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, that God is saying, watch, bar, it is time to raise your expectations. Quit living down here and begin to expect me. Come on, listen. Begin to expect me to show up in your life. Begin to expect me to show up in your services, whether it's 412, WB Kids, Wednesday or Sunday. Begin to expect me to show up in your finances. Quit living with lowered expectations. I mean, one of our favorite scriptures as a church, we, we, uh, we put this scripture on T-shirts, bumper stickers. We post it on social media. We tattoo it on our body, Ephesians 3.20. Anybody know what it says? Maybe you don't tattoo it on your body. Maybe you've never seen it. But it says, now to him who is able to do more than we can ask, imagine, or think. We love that scripture. Here's the question, do we really believe it? Do we really believe that God is able to do more than we can ever imagine, ever think, or have we just kind of settled into this where we don't expect God to do much with us? One of the things I've noticed when Denise and I, when we talk about the new building that we're uh, getting ready to build in the back, um, it, it scares me to death. I mean, I, this me being real. I mean, we'll talk to friends about it, that, and, and oh man, are you excited? It's like, well, I'm I'm a little excited. I'm a little scared crapless. That's what I'm at. I'm, I'm somewhere in between because the idea of us going from debt free to four to point four four 4 to $4.5 million, that, that scares me. Never once has we had this conversation, and Denise has not stepped up in that conversation. Well, i just tell you what I believe. I believe God's going to bring the money. I believe God's going to pay for it. I believe we're not going to have to. We're going to be out of debt. I'm like, I want that expectation, but today I'm scared. Are you hearing me? And I believe God is saying, raise your expectations. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 3. Give you a little backstory here. You don't have to bring that up yet. Um, Jehoshaphat is king of Judah, and Jehoram is king over Israel. And Jehoram is actually the son of Ahab. Anybody remember King Ahab in the Bible? Anybody remember his famous wife? What was her name? Je- Je- oh, yeah, yeah. Now y'all with me. Um, <laughs> Ahab and Jezebel, they were not good people. In fact, the Bible says they were some of the most evil, wicked rulers that that they ever had. Uh, Let me give you some background about Ahab and Jezebel. They employed 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. And on top of that, they killed God's prophets. So uh, they were not good people. Well, God sends word through Elijah. I need you to go tell them there's a drought coming to the land. You're not going to have any rain. Well, they get mad because they don't like the truth that Elijah is speaking to them. So Ahab and Jezebel try to have Elijah canceled. Come on, sound, sound familiar? We don't like the truth, so we try to cancel counsel people. Uh, never mind, Kelly, do not go there. You can do this. Get through this thought right now in the name of Jesus. My wife is interceding right now for me. Try that in a small town. Let's go. Let's go. 2nd <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Here's what the Bible says about Jehoram in 2 Kings through 2. It says, He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his mom and dad. He was a little bad. It, it reminds me of the, the pastor that was counseling with a young man. The young man came into his office, and the young man had 667 tattooed across his forehead. The pastor looks at him and says, Well, I can tell by looking at you, you're not all bad. Uh, <laughs> He wasn't all bad, but he wasn't all good either. And, and, and so when Jehoram takes over, up to the point where Jehoram takes over for his dad Ahab, well, the king of Moab had been paying tribute of a thousand sheep and then the wool of a thousand around. He, he paid tribute. Well, when Jehoram comes on as king, he decides he's going to rebel. And he quits and he begins to rebel against the king of Israel. So Jehoram creates an alliance with two other kings, Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom. Now, when you look at these three armies combined, this would have been a massive army. They would have had no problem taking out the king of Edom and his, and his men, but they ran into a problem. And that's where we're going to dive in today. 2 Kings 3, starting with verse 9. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, here's the trouble. The army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. They've been marching for around seven days. We don't know how long they've been without water. But how many know you cannot go very long, especially in the desert, without water? They're in the desert. Water is life. It's not like, like if we were to have a drought around here... At most, it would inconvenience us. Like when we were in Georgia, uh, the state of Georgia, they called it a, uh, a drought, uh, emergency, so you couldn't use water to wash your cars. You couldn't use water to, to water your lawns or, or your garden or anything like that. At most, it was an inconvenience. It was not life or death. But for these people, a drought, no water was life or death. We've got this alliance of these three kings joining forces, getting ready to go to war against Moab. Things are looking great. They had everything they could need. They've got this massive army. Man, they're going to be able to wipe this other army out. But then something happens that they have no control over, the weather. No rain for days upon days, even months. I'm going to say something that I know is not going to be very popular. There are times when the drought, when a drought in your life is the best thing that can happen to you. Let me explain. And again, this is not going to be popular either. For some of you, the only time you talk to God, the only time you go to God is when there's a drought in your life. When your tragedy strikes, when heartbreak strikes, when you find yourself in a situation. And so God would allow us to go into a drought in our life to bring us back to the true source that is him. I'm telling you. And and we've got to watch that. We've got to be careful because I'm telling you, droughts are some of the best things that can happen to us in our life. And you've got these three kings, they find themselves in a drought, in a bad situation, and they respond a lot like we do. Look at verse 10, king of Israel. What? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? That's what we do. We uh, kind of ignore God when things are good. We slack off on coming to church. We slack off on our prayer devotion time. Uh, We come when it's convenient for us. I mean, we still pray. We we, we pray over our food. We're we're not reprobates. We at least do that. And some of y'all, I think we're reprobates. We don't even (laughs) pray over our food. But then when the drought hits, when tragedy hits, where are you, God? What's going on? And we've been ignoring him. Come on. Isn't that what our country does too? Our nation? I mean, we're all about hey, keep prayer, keep prayer out, keep you know, let's do this, let's do. But I'm gonna tell you, let a school shooting occur. Let a let a terrorist bomb something. Uh let let a let a storm sweep through a community and devastate it, and then we've got our our leaders in the in our country calling for, for prayer vigils. But while things are good we don't really need God. And that's what Jehoram's doing here. Verse 11. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire the Lord? Well, an officer of the king answered, uh, Elisha, son of Shaphat is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. One guy speaks up and says, Hey, y'all, y'all remember Elijah? And they're excited probably. Hey, Elijah's here? Oh, no, but his water boy is. I mean, you've got an Elisha, who would go down as the goat when it comes to prophets, greatest of all times. If you're not supports, not, I mean, I'm not calling him a goat. I'm just never, let's get back. He was the greatest, and that area, man, he would go into the prophets' hall of fame. And now you've got a guy that his name sounds similar to it, Elisha, but we don't know him. We don't know this new kid. Here's the only way I can explain it. Anybody remember when Peyton Manning played for the Colts? Anybody remember that? Yeah. Thank you for that clap right there. Um, that's the only reason I ever cheered for the Colts, was because Peyton Manning played for the Colts. And then they decide to get rid of arguably the greatest quarterback to play the game and trade him in for some young buck, Andrew Luck. I hated the coach from that day forward and have never rooted for them again. In fact, I hope, I I was like, I hope Andrew Luck sucks. I hope he doesn't, I mean, that was my, well, that's what we've got Elijah. And now you want to bring in this young pup, this young guy. And so Elijah is gone, but now they've got Elisha. Look at verse 12. So Jehoshaphat says, Hey, the word of the Lord's with him. Go get him. So, so the, so the uh, king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, king of Edom, they go down to him. Elisha, I want to set this up for you, an unknown prophet up to this point. Really didn't have a lot. You know, nobody really knew a lot about him. And he is about to have the opportunity of a lifetime. He is about to stand before three kings. And man, how he, how he responds to these three kings, is going to be talked about. This is his opportunity to get the name out. It's Elisha, not Ja. Come on, let's get it straight. And so here's how. Elisha responds. Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your fathers, the prophets of your mom. Why are you getting me involved? Oh, you go ahead. You, you didn't want to hear from God in the past. You one of those prophets that will just tell you what you want to hear. Won't you go to them? Don't involve me. Lead, lead me out of it. Now again, this is Elisha's grand stage. And, but that's, I guess that's why I love him. Hey, what do you want about me? No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. And I love Elisha's next, next response. As surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't pay any attention to you. He's like, if you didn't have Jehoshaphat with you, I'd just let you go out there and die. I don't care. You're lucky you brought the right guy with you today. But then I love this. But now, bring me a musician. We need a word from God. Bring me a musician. Let me relate this. This This would be like, they come to me. Pastor Kelly, we've got people dying. We've got things going on. We need a word from God right now. Bring me Bubba. <laughs> if you're watching online, you're like, what's a Bubba? That's her keyboard player. <laughs> Bring me. Uh, come on. The king's going to say, are you serious? Look what a diva this guy is. We, we need a word from God. We don't need music. And you're saying, hey, give get me a musician out here. But let me tell you something. When you are desperate to hear from God, when you are desperate for God to move, you, you will do anything to see it happen. So they get him a musician. Then it happened when the musician played. The hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, thus says the Lord. Check this out. Make this valley full of ditches. Did did we just hear him right? I wanted him to say, thus saith the Lord, the rain is going to come. He says, thus saith the Lord, dig ditches. Are are you serious, Elisha? See, they wanted it to work like we do. We want to pray a prayer and then bam, it happens. They wanted Elisha to pray this short prayer like, you know, Elijah had prayed. Remember? And, and then bam, fire. Well, they wanted that. To, or am I confusing my names again? Anyway, let's go down. They wanted that. Instead, Elisha gives them an assignment. If you're taking notes, you need to understand this. God brings the rain, but he calls us to dig a ditch. See, yes, there are things in your life that only God can do. Amen. But also, God is saying, there are some things that you can do. And when you do what only you can do, then you'll see God do what only he can do. Oh, come on. That's better than what you're saying right now. God, before God sends a breakthrough, before God sends a miracle, before God sends a rain, he calls us to dig ditches, to prepare for the miracle. Here's the thing about our faith and our calling as followers of Jesus. It's not our job to make it rain. It's our job to be obedient and grab a shovel and start digging. That's our job. What area of your life is God saying, grab a shovel and get to digging? What is it? Because if you want to grow in Christ, that's the question you've got to answer. Where am I needing to dig ditches? Where is it that I've been just waiting for God to show up and God has said, no, 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 I need you to do some work. I need you to prepare for the miracle. I need some things to be going. See, we we say, God, God, heal my marriage. And I feel like God says, hey, you want me to heal your marriage? How about you take her out to a place where they don't serve food through a window? How about you take her out on a proper date? You want me to heal your marriage? How about you dig a ditch like that? Hey, you remember, God, I want more love. I want more passion. I want more attraction in my marriage. And God's looking at How about you have a better attitude? How about you have an attitude that may attract him or her to you? Dig a ditch. Dig a ditch. How about, how about you give more attention to him or her than you do the TV, your friends, social media, the kids, the housework? How about we start there? Y'all got this next week. I'm gone. I'm gone. God please fix my husband. God please fix my wife. and I've least sometimes God has said, I've got some ditches in you that I'm trying to dig to make it where when I do send a miracle, you're able to contain it. God send a healing. God's saying, hey, I want healing in your body. But how about we start digging a ditch by eating healthier? How about we start digging a ditch instead of you sitting around binging on Netflix for three hours, you get up and take a walk around your neighborhood. I want healing. But here's a ditch you need to start digging. Because if... Here's the truth. If God was to come into some of our lives, heal our diabetes, heal our high blood pressure, heal those things, what would we, how would we thank him? We'd go back and eat the same crap that got us there in the first place. And God is saying, hey, I'm willing to do some things, but I need you to start digging a ditch. I'm telling you, I said this and I've said this. We keep saying I'm waiting on God when most of the time God's waiting on us. God's waiting on us. And I want to be clear, salvation is free. You can't earn it, you can't work for it, can't do anything uh, like that to earn salvation. But there are some things in our life, if we want to see God move, that God is saying, hey, do what you can, and then see what I do when you do what only you can do. Here's the thing, again, if you're taking notes, God doesn't call us to completely understand, but God does call us to completely obey. He doesn't call us to understand the why, the reasoning behind it. Because if you're looking at this, telling them to dig ditches when they're already fresh, uh, dehydrated, have no water, makes no sense at all. Are you hearing me? So he doesn't tell us to understand. He just says, I need you to obey. I mean, why? I need you to dig ditches. Why? We don't need ditches because we don't have no rain. Why why would we need to dig dig ditches? You've got these soldiers that are mentally, physically exhausted, and they're trying to be ready for battle. They're tired. And a a prophet shows up and says, Okay, I know you're tired. I know you're exhausted. It's time to work. I want you to think about that as how it relates to where you're at in life right now. Because when I was studying this on Thursday... God I was like I don't want to hear this God. I'm going on vacation Sunday after church and I don't want to think about digging ditches. I don't even, I in fact I want to forget I'm a pastor for a week. <laughs> Is that too honest? <laughs> Let me move on. But think about it. You're tired. You're exhausted. You're frustrated. Man of God shows up and says something like, hey, now's not the time to stop serving. Now's not the time to stop showing up. Now's not the time to take it easy. Now's not the time to step back. In fact, now's the time to step it up. I'm telling you guys, as followers of Jesus, we better recognize the sign of the times that we are living in. That things are not. I, I was my my uh, brother between me and Casey. Whenever he he calls me, I can almost tell you what he's going to talk about because he's posted about it on social media before. So, um, and he tried to call me Friday night like three or four times, but me and Pastor Bob were in the middle of something very important. We were micro wrestling, uh, so <laughs> we were <laughs> we were getting. Never mind. <laughs> But, but when it, I'm telling you, we need to realize the sign of the times, and that's what he's calling me about. It's, hey, did you see this? What What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And, and, and it's odd to me that a non follower of Jesus can see more than what people that call themselves Christians. Because here, here, listen to me and hear my heart. We need to realize people need Jesus not a sex change. People need Jesus, not reaffirming their lifestyle choices. People need Jesus, not a payout, not a handout. People need Jesus, not our judgment. And it's time that we realize as followers of Jesus, Sundays is not about just coming. That's, not the, that's a small part of, of us being a follower of Jesus. What Sundays is is what I like to call a huddle. It's where we come together. We get the plan. We get the marching orders. Then Monday through Saturday, we're out there showing what it really looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Listen, I know you're tired. I'm tired. I know we've got a million things to do. But I just want us to get a passion for the lost and the broken that goes beyond their tiredness and their frustration. Charles Spurgeon said this, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with their arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of their exertions and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. What Charles Spurgeon was saying is this, If the people in my life go to hell, it will not be because I didn't dig a ditch for them. It will not be because I didn't do some things trying to make them away and surrender to Jesus. I'm telling you, listen to me, church. If you, I'm, I'm mainly talking to those that call this home. There are people in your life that need you to do more than just pray for them. They need you to dig a ditch for them. And when you get tired and you want to quit and want to give up, I think we need to remember the only reason we're here where we are today, the only reason we experience grace and forgiveness is because there was someone that dug a ditch for us. But let me take some of the pressure off of you. You can't save them. You can't. Only God can save them. But what you, what, you know what you can do? dig a it ditch see real faith real faith it keeps digging when others have stopped real faith it keeps digging when the ground gets hard real faith keeps digging when others are laughing at you real faith keeps digging when it feels like you're not making any progress at all real faith just keeps digging because we're being obedient to what the, fa- the last thing the father said was to dig so i'm just digging until i see the miracle Watch the bar. We've talked about revival. We've talked about what God wanted to send a downpour of rain. And I truly believe as a pastor, God wants to send that downpour. I believe what we experienced this morning is just minute. And let me say this. Adults, just because tomorrow is called a night of worship that the young people have put together, listen, Don't complain about our young people if you're not willing to show up and support them. I would love to get a call from Pastor Ben saying, man, you would not believe we had 150, 200 people there worshiping. Our adults showed up. They prayed over our young people. They dug ditches for our schools. They dug ditches for our young people. Come on, that's what we're called to do. I I don't even know how I got there, Pastor Ben. I believe God is wanting to send the rain. I just believe He's waiting on some individuals that are willing to get their hands dirty and grab a shovel. You know, we have ditch diggers that show up here every Sunday, six thirty in the morning. Our sound team, our worship team, our band at six thirty every every Sunday morning. They're showing up here digging ditches. No, they're not. No, that's digging ditches. They're preparing the ground for the presence of God that's going to come in this place. We've got ditch diggers that show up early for the nursery, for WB kids, for security, for ushers and greeters. They're digging ditches. They're digging ditches. Listen, they don't get up on a Sunday morning on their day off get here early because they're just... Whoa! I get to you know. Well, I think they do say that, but they do it because they want to see lives that are broken come to Jesus. We had a group of people last night, or that showed up yesterday, clean this church, clean this church inside up out. What were they doing? Digging ditches, getting the ground ready for people that would show up here today. See, we. We show up every week even tired, exhausted, frustrated because we know there are lost and broken people that are going to be walking through those doors every week, every Thursday night, every Wednesday night that needs somebody to say, hey, I dug this ditch, man. How's the water taste? How's the water taste? Because we did this just for you. We did it just for you. Man, I pray every week for God to show up I do, and, and do what only he can do. But I also believe he's asking us to do what only we can do. And then sit back and watch him show up. See, here, for being brutally honest, I know there are those that even call this place home that only show up for the rain. That's the only reason they show up. They show up for the rain. But then there's a group of people that show up to dig a ditch, that show up to serve, that show up to give. And I'm going to tell you, man, I, I love, seeing Russell up here on, on acoustic, I asked him, I'm not going to tell you what I tell you. He said, that's the most fun I've had in a long time. I love seeing that. And see, while you may say is they're, ha- they're digging ditches, they're digging ditches. When you you go out and you sponsor for a child, that's digging a ditch. When you go out and buy some some diapers, some new shoes, and bring it here for us to be able to send to Guatemala, you're digging ditches for people over there. We've been called called to dig ditches. I can get Bubba to come on up. Could I get a musician? No, (laughs) that's a... The man of God wants to speak. Bring me a musician. (laughs) You got me. Could I get a different musician? No. (laughs) No. 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 (laughs) Get back on. That would be funny, wouldn't it? Elijah's like, can I get a musician? No, I've heard him play. Can I get another musician? See, I grew up in church watching my mom and dad minister there pretty much their whole life and then pastor. And I would watch people come to them and and, and say just dumb things. And Marty, I know you you guys can relate. Hey, um, I think uh, we're going to go find another church. Uh, I'm just not getting thing anything out of it. We just don't like being told to serve or give. We don't like being asked to scoot down. I mean, this is where we sit. This is our I mean, these are actual things that have been said. And while I'm not trying to offend anybody, I have to ask the question. When did it become about you? When did worship become about the set list you like instead of whether God likes it? Are you hearing me? When did serving become about you instead of the people we're serving? When did the productions that we do up here every year, when did those productions become about being convenient for us instead of the hundreds of people that walk through those doors and hear the gospel? When did church become about making you comfortable instead of challenging you? I'm going to tell you, my goal is not to offend, but my goal is to make you mad a little bit every week. Saying, I don't know if I agree with what he said. I'm going to go check it out. And then you go, man, God is dealing with me about this. Every week we should leave challenged in some way instead of being comfortable. I believe that's where we are. We've grown comfortably numb. In our relationship with Jesus. And that's made it even easier for us to lower our expectations. See, I watch every week. People come in here, stand with their hands in their pocket near worship. They sit they never take a note, never worship, never give and tithe and offering, and then wonder, hey, why isn't God speaking to me? Why isn't God breaking this sin, this addiction off my life? Why am I not seeing any changes in my life? Why am I not seeing any changes in my marriage or my kids? Why is God not doing any miracles in my life? Could it be that maybe God is waiting for you to start digging? Could it be that God is waiting for you to start taking down some notes and reflecting on what was said this week? instead of just letting it go. Could it be, and I'm going to talk about this more later, that God is waiting for you to step up and actually start serving every week in an area and making yourself available and digging that ditch. Yeah, I'm going to go here. Could it be, and I said this last week, I think, that God is waiting for you Hopping from one place to another because you get ticked off, and this person says this you don't like the worship here, you don't like this, you don't like the word this or that. And it says, saying, God, this is where you want me, I'm here for the long haul, I'm planted. Could it be that God is waiting for you to get that mindset instead of see this? Is I know, I listen. Nobody's in more of a hurry to get out of here than I am. But I've just got to go here. A lot of times we treat this place like a restaurant. We come down, we sit down, we want to be served. We want to be served and then we get ticked off if when the service is not up to our level. See, I worked as a, I worked as a waiter. The worst day to be a waiter was Sundays. I worked as a waiter. So what does that mean? That means I come in. Oh, you need this? Let me get that for you. Let me do this. Let me get that for you. Hey, let me help you with this. Whether I got a tip or not, I did what I was supposed to do. And I feel like sometimes God's saying, hey, if my people would just come and say, I'm here to serve. I'm here to give. Whether I get anything else, well, I'm so blessed. I don't deserve it. If I could just give, if I can just serve, if I can just plant myself, I believe if we got a group of people that began to do that, we would see miracle upon miracles flood the people in this life. I believe the song that Bob and, and Pastor Ben were talking about, we would see that come even more into fruition where we would hear testimonies of healings of people being set free. Yeah. Man, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Elisha told the king, say, I, I know you want it to rain, and I, I know you need the rain, but I need you to get to digging. See, in our culture, we want instant gratification. And I tell you, I've learned a long time ago that's not the way God works most of the time. Here's the nature of our faith. Can you trust God today, knowing He is already in your future preparing the miracle that He has, has made in your life? Let's, go, let's, let's finish this out. because For this is what the Lord says. This is so important. I want to get to this. You will see Neither wind nor rain. You won't see anything that in the natural tells you the rain's coming. You won't see a cloud blowing in. You won't see the weather change. You'll neither see wind or rain. Yet this valley is going to be filled with water, and you and your cattle and other animals will drink. You're not going to see anything in the that you the way you think it should happen. It's not going to occur that way. Quit waiting for some uh, cloud to blow in. I need what I need you to do. Put your head down and get to digging. And let me worry about the rain. See, hear this. I think God got to say it is this though you can't see it, though you can't feel it, keep digging. Though you can't see it, though you can't feel it, keep digging. I'm telling you, God, there are some promises God has made. You can't see it. You can't feel it. All we got to do is trust that God is still who He says He is. He is still a healer. He is still a provider. He is still a restorer. He is still a redeemer. He is still a savior. He still works miracles. Keep digging. Because here's the thing evidence follows obedience evidence follows obedience Elisha says hey don't rely on what you're used to seeing the rain's coming verse 18 He says, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. He's not just going to bring the rain. He's going to deliver that army into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree. You will stop up all the springs. You will ruin every good field with stones. Can I tell you what Elisha is saying? He says, hey, what the enemy has been feasting on, what has been nurturing him, what has been giving him life, you're going to take it away away from him and he'll have nothing left i believe that's what god is saying to us if we will keep digging every drug house in this area if we will keep digging god will close it down god will do the work the poverty mentality in this community keep digging and you're going to see it fall the divorce rate, the immorality rate, the fatherless rate. Keep digging. I love this. Watch what happens. Verse 20. The next morning, he told them to dig a ditch that night. The next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was water flowing from the direction of Edom. And the land was filled with water. No, no excavation tools. They didn't have no backhoes out there. They didn't have no trenchers out there. No way could they have possibly overnight built an irrigation system. But here's the thing: What you understand? God doesn't ask us to have faith to finish. He asks us to have faith to start start. I believe God wants to fill your life with blessings. I believe God wants to heal some things in your life. I believe God wants to allow you, help you forgive someone. But you got to start somewhere. What does that look like? He's calling you to start digging. He's calling you to, to forgive someone. Yeah, I know they hurt you. I know they did some things to you, but forgive. He's calling some of you to repent for some sin in your life, to ask someone to forgive you, to start tithing, to start giving. He's calling someone to dig, to to invite someone. He said, show up and serve faithfully wherever it is. He's calling us to take the first step and just start digging. Keep digging even when you're tired. Keep digging even when you got sores in your hands. Keep digging even when your back's hurt. Keep digging. Stand with me across the. Street. These three kings had everything except the one thing they needed something that God, only God can do. I want to ask you, what is it in your life that you need God to move in that only God can do? I know, man, we had prayer. And I believe God did a lot of stuff. But I believe there were some that just let, held back. Held back. And there, God is wanting to do some things physically, emotionally. He's wanting to do some healings in every facet today. wonder what it is. I wonder what teenager has a lot of popularity in school but has no security inwardly about who they are. I mean, I wonder what person from the outside, it looks like they've got it all together. But on the inside, they're dying. I wonder what person walks in here on Sunday, paints a smile on their face, shakes it off, and I got to, I got to, got to show that I've got it together. And you walk and you say hi, but the moment you're past them, you're like, oh. and you just need God to do something. Bye, heads. What is it that you need God to do that only He can do? Father, right now, Holy Spirit, sweep to this place, be so real. Let your presence be so thick right now in this room. I pray no one will be able to leave this room. room you were molested as a child it was by someone close, someone that should have been looking out for you, someone that should have had your back someone that should have protected you But they took advantage and you have been carrying this pain and this hurt for years and this pain and this hurt has affected every relationship you've had it's caused you to not trust people, not allow people to come into, into your life or get too close to you. It's caused you to keep others at bay and, and a guard at arm's length. It's even caused you to question some things about who you are really. And God wants to heal that you, in, in you today. And if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to make the toughest decision you made. And I'm gonna ask you to step out where you are right now and come now because God wants to heal. That's it. That's it. That's it. They're coming. There's more than one. That's it. Come on. Come on. Hey, Pastor Ben. Come on. There's more than one. There's more than one. Anybody else can tell you God's moving, God's working. Where you at? There's more than these up here. This is nothing to be ashamed about. God's wanting to do some healing in you right now. This at the first service. I'm telling you, I, Holy Spirit is speaking. God, Holy Spirit is moving right now. Hey, Denise, let's pray this. Let him heal. Let him heal. Let him heal. He's healing. He is healing. He is healing. It's happening right now. I'm telling you, there's been people that have come to this church and you've carried this heaviness a long, long time. And God says, today's your day. Your day. Your day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, You care, man, if you guys would pray with her. I just believe there's more. I know there's more than one man in here. But we get so tough. And we want to act like we've got it all together, that nothing has happened to us. And it just affects everything in our life. Tony, God is healing. Others of you, what have you got that only God can do in your life right now? And that you need to start digging ditches. If God spoke something to you, raise your hand. You know an area of your life. That's it. Get, get them up. Get them up. Get them up. Father, every hand in this place you see, it is raised. Give us the courage, even when we're tired, even when we're frustrated, even when we want to quit, even when we're not seeing results, to keep digging, to keep digging. Father, help us to keep digging, God. We may grow weary, but God, if we will just stay strong, if we will keep digging, we see you come through we will see you bring the rain we can't bring the rain we can't make it rain all we can do is obey you God and right now I just pray give us strength to obey and keep digging even when it hurts even when it doesn't make sense keep digging go ahead Bob keep it low